are important because they are meaningful and they are meaningful because they are memorable powerful and they personally connect us with each other in this podcast we take names faces hopes and dreams of people of all walks of life we are diverse with ages and races you will have the opportunity to hear these stories in their own words we believe your story and god's story will intersect with the stories of others god's story is revealed through scriptures Your story is revealed through experiences. Their story is revealed in life events. Our hope is that through this podcast, we will recognize that God uses every part of our stories, even the messy parts, to bring glory to himself, draw his children close, and call others into his family. This podcast is the perfect intersection between your story and God's story. We believe you will leave here inspired, encouraged, and challenge to share your story with the world. Welcome to the Scriptures and Stories podcast with your host, Rashawn Copeland. Hello, my name is Alyssa Mitchell. I'm 20 years old and I'm from North Alabama. You can find me on Instagram at aoysa.marie underscore 99 or on TikTok at ISA underscore L-I-S-S-A 1999. Growing up, I was the quiet kid in the back of the room. At birthday parties, I tended to play by myself on the side while the other girls played games. Since I can remember, I was extremely shy and self-conscious. Oftentimes, my friend would leave me out and I would be just by myself feeling awkward and treated as if I wasn't there. They would literally do the silent treatment game to me because they thought it was funny. Um, The popular girls at the time were very cliquish. They all were raised together as babies, and their parents were raised together as babies. So they were just in this clique that um, had started since their parents were friends and stuff. But um, these girls dressed up and wore makeup, and I thought I had to be beautiful to fit in too. And they also had a lot of boyfriends, so I thought I have to get a boyfriend to be valuable. So around sixth grade, Um, I started dating my first boyfriend and he leaked explicit pictures of me to my entire school. And um, he also spread a lot of rumors and I was bullied and abandoned by my friends. Rather than get revenge or tell any of anybody about it or even tell the teachers or my parents, I kept it a secret and I felt truly alone. The only thing I did was I did... um, really try hard to seek God at the time. I prayed and I wasn't even sure if he was really real at the time, but because I was so alone, it had to have been him that kept me through. It kept me strong and kept me going. I tried best to excel in school, do sports and extracurriculars, and really be the best person I could be. But this demand led to so many panic attacks, and no matter what I did, I felt like I wasn't enough. I had depression, I started cutting my wrists, and I was smoking cigarettes that I just found. I would steal them from my my friend's parents, and I just wasn't being right. I was lashing out, and I was just deeply 
loss, deeply wounded, and just the trauma from my pictures circulating around the school. It was just so shameful and so hard. I thought I didn't deserve good things. I continued to give my time to boys who clearly didn't have my best interest. And I eventually fell for this guy during my junior year. I was bullied from 7th grade till even my junior year. People gave me a hard time and just looked at me different. And even if they didn't, I just felt like everyone had a presumption about me or, you know, thought of me a certain way. So anyway, my junior year, I fell for this guy. He was out of school already and lived this rock and roll lifestyle. He was trying to be a musician, which looked attractive to me at the time. Um, so during this, while I was dating him, I was sneaking around, staying out till four. I partied a lot and I was just very lost and my panic attacks increased. I did grow up in a Christian household and I was going to church at the time, but I just didn't really believe it. Um, I realized I changed for the worst. Well, I started doing research and looking into other religions and figuring out Hmm, Christianity is different because every other religion says that I have to adhere to this certain standard. But Christianity says that I'm saved how like I'm saved by grace and I'm accepted for how I am. Well, one night I was partying with my boyfriend and I, my body just started shaking, trembling with fear, despair and anxiety. And I felt like nothing except a fearful being. All I could do at the moment was call out to the Lord, and immediately I felt relief. I felt peace, and He told me that He was there. I could just feel His presence on me. I prayed to Him and felt relief. I left my boyfriend pretty soon after that because I asked God what I should do, and my boyfriend was um, burning scripture for fun, and he wanted to name his band the Jesus Tranny, and it was just very blasphemous being with him so I had to leave him and I got baptized and saved and I have come very far I don't have panic attacks like I did I'm um, my peace I just have a lot more peace I have a lot more strength and joy and I'm just a lot happier and even my worst days don't compare to the pain that I felt back then start where you are and God will take you where you need to be John Tyson, my man. So glad to have you on the show, bro. Been looking forward to this. What's up, man? Thank you so much for having me. What a joy to be here. I appreciate the uh, the invitation. Love it. Love it, man. I think your message is so timely. I've been spending the past few weeks uh, listen, or, you know, reading in on your book and just uh, I was so thankful, one, because I think this is a time where a lot of people have a choice whether they want to compromise with culture or they want to, you know, heed the conviction that God's land on our hearts as believers. Yeah. And you're speaking sort of, you're that John John the Baptist in the wilderness calling out for us, you know, stay true to the conviction that is on our hearts in this season. So, bro, I want to talk into your book, Beautiful Resistance. But also, before that, let's get into your story. Will you share a little bit about who is John before the, the John now? I mean, you're from Australia, Aussie, right? Yeah, Did I say got, that right? 
No, you Ozzie? didn't, but I appreciate it. What is he? Ozzy. Ozzy. Like Ozzy Osbourne? That's no, correct. Okay. <laughs> Love it. But how'd you get to New York? Like out of all places. Yeah. You know, that's a crazy story. I um I became a Christian uh, the weekend I turned 17 at a Pentecostal youth camp. Um, I dropped out of high school when I was 16 to work in a meat factory as a butcher. So, you know, just... Uh, one of Australia's sort of tougher neighborhoods, just being a tradesman rather than going to school or whatever. Felt a call to ministry, uh, got a scholarship to study theology when I was 20 in the US. Wow. So I moved here uh, in 1997 wow. and uh, met, met my wife. And uh, then I heard about church planting and uh, wanted to, I was like, I feel like I was born to start churches. And uh, right after 9 11, we took a trip up to the city. Um, actually to visit Brooklyn Tab and to pray at their Tuesday night prayer meeting. And I stayed up all night walking around the streets of Hell's Kitchen, fell in love with it. And I was mm. like, dear God, please call me to this great city. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the answer to that prayer. So I've been, I've lived wow. in Manhattan for the last 15 years, raised my kids there, call it home, loving it. Love it. Solid, bro. Absolutely love that sort of the journey. And I know we just got a snapshot. We'll probably hear a little bit more. I would love for you to share, like, what was that come to Christ moment? Like, when did God become real to you? Was there like an experience you had? Was it someone preaching the word of God? Like maybe Billy Graham when he was in Australia? I don't know. What what did it look like for you, bro? You know, what's interesting? um, So I I don't know what theological tradition you sort of come from, if it's sort of like got, got some Pentecostalism in it or not. But it was like the the youth pastor was preaching and he simply said, John Tyson, I have a word from God for you. Mm. And he boom, just gave me that personal revelation. And wow. it's it was basically the experience of 1 Corinthians 14. If an unbeliever comes in, they'll be convicted that, you know, the secrets of the heart will be revealed. They'll fall on their face in worship. And that was it. I was like, I felt like God was reading my mail wow. through this guy. And that was it, man. It was Jesus onwards. And that was Come that was on. a turnaround. Love that. That's solid, bro. Solid. So you end up coming to Christ a little bit later. When was that call to like go to seminary, you know, in church planning? Like, did that happen automatically? Was there a door that opened? How'd that, yeah, well, how'd that work out? Yeah, I basically felt like as soon as I became a Christian, I left that meeting and I was like, I want to serve God with all of my life. Mm. Like, I didn't know, I didn't know what, where, when, how. I just, I wanted to serve God. Um, I had a desire to go to Bible college, which is basically was the next step. Maybe a couple of months after, okay, I'm still doing this butchering thing. I don't want to do this long term. How do I go to school for this? Um, the, the problem was I dropped out of high school, so I didn't have a like a diploma or a GED or anything. And uh, yeah, so it was probably another three years or so. And um, I got sort of a miracle scholarship and they opened a door yeah. for me. And that's how it all happened. I love it. Love it, brother. So fast forward just a little bit. I've been getting into your book a bit and I love one of the spots or places that sort of snatched my heart as I'm reading it uh, was the four movements of Jesus, like, you know, his rest, Jesus's rest. And uh, I know it's kind of been, well, it's been really restless out in your city, uh, in New York City, in not only during COVID-19, because of the, you know, sort of the stuff that's going on. But before that, you know, I mean, it's like the concrete jungle where everyone is getting after it, you know, you know, it never sleeps. So 
what what was sort of stirred in your heart to speak into you know the importance of slowing down in a life that isn't full of hurry like what was that sort of thing that stirred you up to write this message yeah well i saw so many people burning out they come to new mm. york hustle grind burnout leave wow. and the same thing was happening with pastors and church planners as well so i realized if i didn't adjust my rhythms and my pace I wasn't going to be able to play the long game. And obviously one of those key practices in doing that is the Sabbath. It's like, it's not just a day off. It's like entering into God's presence and experiencing deep rest and renewal of spirit. So I've been doing that for a long time and I'm telling you, mate, it's kept me sane. Kept me in the game with a full heart, with, with a sort of sustainable rhythm or whatever. So I felt like I was watching so many people burn out. So the chapter is called rest must resist exhaustion. And I was like, we got to push back on burnout. God yeah. is not glorified. People are not drawn to Jesus. When you have burned out, angry, busy, grumpy, tired Christians, they're doing nobody a favor. So there's a whole chapter on how to rest properly and uh, how to get that sacred pace. I love it, bro. Can you really quick, because I want to just read through some of the, the one, uh, a few of the f- four movements, maybe all of them. But uh, I love how you basically say it's form. Sabbath requires that we are formed by rep, rep, you know, repetition. And I love that you go into like resisting work, like totally resisting work. And then you go into resting and restoration and also remembering our true identities and lastly, reveling, like reveling in God's goodness. Will you talk a little bit about, you know, maybe one or two of those and yeah, why man. it's important? Yeah, well, you got to put boundaries up because work's always coming at you. We're so connected these days. You know, if you don't text right back, people get offended. Crazy. You know? It's just like you got to put those digital boundaries Ooh. up man, so that you can have some uh, some space. So yeah, you've got to resist it. So that's a strong word. But if you don't resist the world will keep pushing on you. So you got to put yeah. those boundaries in place. Then you got to learn to rest, man, not just relax. We're good at relaxing, but not resting. And mm. resting is where all the healing happens, life happens, joy happens. Then remembering is our identity. We're not human. Uh, you know, we're not defined just by what we do, but who we are. Yeah. Uh, one one uh, common commentator says in the book, Sabbath is a weekly scheduled reminder yeah. That our value isn't what we accomplish, but in who we are before God. And then reveling is about enjoying God, man, all of his gifts, food, yeah. life, friends, family, That's music, good. art, beauty, sports, all those things that fill our hearts and remind us of God's good. So Amen. You, you do that every week, man, you can have a full heart. So good. I love it. I love it. I think one of my problems personally, and I got buddies, you know, that quickly transition from working at like a brick and mortar spot where they clock in and to working from home where they're connected to their job daily through their cell phone. So it's hard to like resist work whenever your phone light up and you're doing fun stuff. And oh, I remember I got this email or I got this going on, you know, and it's seven, eight o'clock at night when, yeah, I don't know, bro. So that's one of the big challenges for me personally. Yeah, it's definitely hard in COVID, man. Because yeah. all those, bound- those boundaries just seem like they're blurred. So, so yeah, you've got to be even got to be even more diligent. Otherwise, we're just always on. And you know what researchers show, which I think is fascinating, that the people who burn out don't burn out in the crisis because we're mm. all running on adrenaline. We're all just trying to pay the bills. 
it's like a year and a year and a half later when the crisis wow. passes. That's where you feel the damage in your soul that you were just running through. So implementing this pace in the middle of it is the key to not burning out when we get out of it. Beautiful, beautiful, bro. I, I want to bring it back to your book a bit. In Beautiful Resistance, you know, and uh, I'm going to ask you this question, but I want to make sure everybody knows uh, right now, grab your copy, guys, take a mental note, Beautiful Resistance, The Joy of Conviction in a Culture of compromise. But in your book, bro, you write that our culture is mostly driven by two questions. One, how I how do I feel? And number two, what do I want? Can you really yeah, just talk about some of those things? What sort of drives us to ask those questions? Yeah, so basically, when you take the spirit out of it, mm. like when you take the spirit out of a person, the Bible says that we're spiritually dead apart from Christ. Yeah, we're still made in the image of God. But what drives us is basically our bodies and our emotions. It's like our mindsets are wrapped up in that. So our bodies are always asking the question, here's what I want. And our our souls, you know, like they're always asking, here's what I feel. And so if we if we become a slave to basically what we want and how we feel, we're never going to walk in the freedom that God has for us. So the spirit enables us to rightly order those desires in a God-glorifying way. Instead of being word. like instead of being in tyranny to what we want and how we feel, we ask the question, who am I called to be and how do I live it out? And so that we can take those thoughts, those desires, and we can sort of bring them under the lordship of Jesus. And that's where we get dignity, self-respect. That's where we get a sense of integrity a sense of honor. So it's important yeah. we don't just let our drives and our emotions carry our so life. Oh, good. Woo. Cause I remember before I came to Christ, bro, I was a, a hedonist. I yeah. mean, I, everything I tried to indulge, 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 whatever I yeah. felt like doing in yeah. a given moment. But what, if I hear you correctly, like you're saying that we need to have this discipline style thinking and, you know, pre- will you get into that just a little bit more? What ways can I practically, if I'm listening in right now, really, you know, stop being led by my emotions and my feelings and be led by the spirit of God. What are, what's practical way I can well, do that? Well, num- yeah. Number one, you got to acknowledge you have the Holy spirit. So before you're a Christian, you don't even care, man. There's no conflict. <laughs> There's no challenge. All you feel is like, I'm going to do whatever I want. And I don't care. The Holy spirit becomes yeah. alive in you. Now the war is on. It's like, oh, man, I feel this tension. This is my old way of life. Now I want to live in the new way. So the Bible says make no provision for the flesh, which means you've got to change your environments. You've got to change your friends. You've got to change your mindset. You have to create a new way of living that aligns with the fruit of the Spirit, that aligns with what it means to glorify God. And uh, so that's, that's the key thing, man. Check your mindset. Check your environment. Check your friends. And the people, it's Psalm 1. The people who uh, who have that mocking spirit, the way of evil in them, if that's going to drag you down, you got to you got to you got to level up your friends. Yeah, so true, so true. You're listening to the Converge Podcast Network, and now a message from a network supporter. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 
91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. And I love what uh, in the book of Psalms 1, it says, Blessed is he that does not walk in step with yeah. the wicked, nor take the way the sinners, or sit with scorners, but yeah. him that delights in the law of the Lord. Yeah. Yeah, and he'll be prosperous. But I love that. So you really point back to being around like a truth-affirming sort of community. People, uh, they, you know, can you can encourage and also can can encourage you, but I also love one you speak in to in your book on honoring each other, mm-hmm. uh, and the res, res, uh like the restoration power that comes out of that. Will you share really quick why is it important that we stay sort of uh, on, in an honoring, yeah, sort of have an honoring perspective versus you know what the world and culture are trying to tell us. You know, I, yeah. Why, why is community so important right now in honoring each other in our community as believers? Yeah, man. I mean, we live in a culture that is filled with dishonor and contempt. Mm. And people can do that. People can dishonor one another because of the color of their skin. They can dishonor the color uh, by uh, the socioeconomic background. They can do it by different religions or religious yeah. backgrounds. And so we're just trained to criticize and to put people down. Wow. And so if that bleeds Crazy. into the church, the church is not going to look any different than the world. And so honor is one of the things that has the power to restore community by seeing each other's gifts. The difference between glory and honor, glory is there whether you recognize it or not. Glory, mm, come does, on. glory doesn't care. It's there. Yeah. Honor is the choice to recognize the value someone has. So you can... You can never destroy God's glory. He's always going to be glorious. But you can honor him by choosing to recognize the value that he carries. It's the same thing with our relationships with people. Everybody will carry an implicit value. But until you choose to recognize it, you're not going to release their destiny. You're not going to build them up. You're not going to be a part of a life-giving community. So it's super important to recognize the value people carry and to call it out. I love that, John. Such a good word. Such a good word. So I want to ask you a little bit, you know, I know there's some great restaurants in your city. I know there's all kinds of places to eat in Australia as well, you know, but I want to ask you, what's the benefit of fasting like right now in this time, this season of our lives? Why should we fast? Why is it important, bro? Well, I mean, I think it should be clear right now. We are dealing with forces in our generation Mm. that we just cannot seem to break. We cannot get breakthrough. There's so many areas where it feels like we're we're running the same plays, the same script. Where's the change? Jesus, when he was confronted um, with a little demon with a boy in it, but none of his Mm. disciples could cast it out. And then Jesus cast it out, and later they come to him and they say, what's up? And he basically says, this kind of comes out by prayer and fasting. Come and on. so I think we're at a moment in history where we are just going to do another cycle. Next generation is going to deal with the same drama unless followers of Jesus really press in and take a hold of God. So to me, that's it, man. We need it for breakthrough. We need to be weaned off the pleasures of the world and drawn into a place of spiritual power and authority. And Jesus says fasting is one of those key practices. 
Man, preach it, bro. Preach it. And I got convicted once you were talking, but also when I read that, like, when was the last time I fasted? I think it's been like six, seven, eight months. I need to get on it. I know, but I need to. Yeah, yeah I got you. Um, bro, so I wanted to ask you as well, John, um, in your book, you you go into basically resisting privilege, a chapter on resisting privilege. Can you talk a little bit about what that looks like? Uh towards uh being sacrificial in to others yeah i mean we're, our whole culture right now is having a conversation about white privilege and various forms of privilege yeah and i'm basically want to acknowledge that's real that's yeah. so real the question is what do you do with it now the True. problem in the world is when you tell people you have to get rid of your privilege if they don't have a loving heart they're going to defend it they're going to get angry they're going to dismiss it they're going to say, I don't know you. I don't owe you a thing. I don't know your ancestors. My ancestors don't owe your ancestors a thing. It's just going to be a cycle of defensiveness. But what we see yeah. in the gospel is that Jesus took all of the things that he had and he voluntarily sacrificed them for the sake of others. And Philippians 2 tells us we're to have the same mindset. Uh, that Christ Jesus had by giving up what we have for the sake of others. So we all have different forms of privilege, man. It can be, I mean, it's like there's just so many kinds of privilege you can carry, but followers of Jesus need to be like Jesus when they're all arguing at the table about who's the yeah. greatest. He took off his outer garments and he just started washing people's feet. And that to <sighs> me is what the church can do. We sacrifice our privilege out of love, not compulsion. Come and when on. the church does that, it makes the world say, where do you get a spirit of love and servanthood like that? So I think it's one of the greatest opportunities. And that may be the most important chapter in the book in this cultural moment. Bro, like, did you, that the Lord, that was a fresh download from heaven. You know, even the timing of this book, like, I'm like, that's beautiful. Like all of us need to be challenged in that, you know, and identify ourselves with Christ and what he's done and not with what the media is saying. So with that being said, bro, um, I wanted to ask you this because I admire Diedrich Bonhoeffer. I hope I said his name right, but he's a phenomenal man of God. And what was that sort of driving, you know, inspiration that led you to write about him and his life so much throughout this book? Will you just share how has he impacted you and like why why him at all people? Yeah, man. Bonhoeffer was was I mean, he was so compelling. Number one, he was a genius. Yeah. And uh he got his doctorate when he was twenty-one. And uh Karl Barth called his doctorate, who was probably the greatest theologian of the last century, one of them. He said Bonhoeffer's doctoral dissertation was a theological uh, miracle. So he started out super smart and he didn't love the church in his early days, but somewhere mm. along the way, he got a vision. He actually went to New York City to come to seminary, started visiting black churches what? and was so moved. In fact, um, there's, a, uh, there's a whole book on Bonhoeffer's Black Harlem. It was the black churches, Adam Clayton Power, that, that stirred him up, gave him a vision of the power of the gospel wedded together with justice. Wow. And he actually took that vision back to Europe, back to Germany. And they think he was one of the first people to bring sort of like black gospels and spirituals Dang. back to Europe. And his, and his discipleship groups, he's got the, <laughs> the old spirituals playing and they're sitting around. And he was basically tutored by the heart of what he saw in Harlem, in the wow. black churches in Harlem. So 
being living in New York, um, not too far from Harlem, and then seeing his impact in resisting the cultural forces of his day, I was just so inspired. And then he wrote Beautiful. two books I loved, Cost of Discipleship, Life Together. And I was like, man, we need leaders like this. So I sort of use him as an example to sort of tee up the core principles of the book. But it was reading his books and then knowing his story that that made me sort of use him to frame the book up. Powerful. Love it, bro. Love it. And didn't he later on die in a Nazi concentration camp, but he had influenced tons of Christians in that same camp? Did, didn't he die there or am I wrong? Yeah. No, it wasn't. Yeah, he did die. It wasn't okay. quite a, a concentration camp. It was okay. A, it was a, a smaller prison, but just a couple oh. of weeks before the end of the war, and that camp was liberated. He was hung. Oh. So he he wrote, wrote a lot of uh, letters um, that we still talk about today, and was and greatly used by God when he was in prison. Yeah, I see. I love it, bro. Love it. So one, the few words that stick out to me in your subtitle, you know, one, the joy of conviction and also in a culture of compromise. And I want to talk, get into conviction and compromise, but the joy of conviction sort of, how, how can we have joy with conviction? How do those words go together? Will you just share with me, like, why should we like walk in, in, in the joy of conviction and how, like, how is it possible? Yeah, well, it depends on what you mean by conviction. So normally two meanings. Number one is like, oh, God's convicting me. And yeah. number two, it's sort of like the strength of a decision regardless of what the world says. Mm. Either way you define it, it's still a gift because if you're being convicted, it's a joy to know the Holy Spirit's coming after you. He wants your heart, man. He's not leaving you alone, not abandoning you to your sin. So there's joy in that, even if it's a place of wrestling. But the other sense um, – a, a culture of conviction. The joy in that is like, you know what you will stand for. You are yeah. free from the applause of the crowd. You're free from needing the affirmation of the world. And there's something so deep in our hearts that delights in pleasing God and not caring. Yeah. What God says. So that's what there's joy. We all know when we've sinned or we've mm-hmm. broken our core convictions, we feel miserable. We feel yeah. miserable. So yeah. there is that deep sense of joy and holding fast to what it is that God's calling us to at this time of history. Amen, brother. Amen. And compromise. So when I think of, I'm just speaking from the standpoint of the church and some of the young adults I've spent a lot of time with and kids on TikTok. We've got a a lot of millennials and Gen Z on here. So I, I know for me and for some of them, the biggest compromise is, you know, sort of that desire to be cool rather than you know, pick up the cross and follow Jesus sometimes. So would you uh, really quick just share with us, like, uh, what would you say to a, sort of a, a culture, a generation that bends towards the applause of the crowd rather than the conviction of the cross? Like, what 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 is some ways that we can grow in our conviction um, and also yeah, experience this beautiful resistance, this joy of conviction? Is there any practical ways we can like are that you've even seen in your own life or a story or something? Yeah, man, I got two. I got two kids. My son's twenty. Okay. My daughter's almost eighteen. They've got all the social media scene going on. Look, you got to step back for a minute, and here's what mm. you need to realize: all of the research shows that social media makes us miserable. Wow! Like it's true. All the research, every Ooh. piece of research out there, basically says rates of uh, depression, insecurity, loneliness, those sorts of things. Wow! So it's a tool that you can use, but when when you become addicted to it, man. It, it, it's it's heartbreaking. So number one, you yeah. got to realize 
most of the most of the stuff on social media is not real and you know that by how hard you work to sort of like post it well no one's ever like look at my double chin and doing like <laughs> their worst photos they're always like hey, look at me girl yeah that's no. it <laughs> so I, I think we need to view it two things this is how i use social media man number one Use it as a device for creativity, not consumption. Mm. So put put your values out Good there, man. Time. Use it as a platform. Number two, use it as a place of prayer. The people that you follow, pray for them. Something pops up. Just say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I just pray. Bless them. Speak to them. Help them. Draw That's them closer good. to yourself. So That's, you, I've never heard that. Like a lot of times we pout and we complain. Why is she doing this? Or why is she? Or we look down upon people. We have yeah. this negative attitude yeah. when you're saying go on there and pray for them, even if it's your enemy that just got retweeted toward. No, I'm just one. No, no, you know I mean. Even more importantly, wow. if you're going to follow Jesus, yeah. Boom. I love it. And this is why I'm so excited to finish, even finishing work my way through your book. And man, bro, do you, are you going to have a Bible study around your book or anything like bro, resources you, outside the book dude, for dude, you, groups? If you go to the back of that book, there is a meaty, what? meaty study guide. Oh, I don't, I don't oh, know if they send you one. This. I don't know. Yeah, if I got you. it right here. Bro, you don't. Yeah, look at the top. Right at the very back. I don't know if that okay. one has the study guide. Yeah, this one right here. It. Bro, that study guide is for real. Come on. It's almost like a mini book. I'm excited. I'm excited. I, so I, I didn't even turn it that far yet. You know, I've already been like, I said about 60 pages in. So I'm excited to get through it and hopefully get our community group uh, to participate and do it. So uh, with that being said, I think it's a good transition uh, to, I got two more questions for you, bro. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, what is the purpose of a redemptive calendar uh, that you talk about in your book? And what does it do to connect us to the joy of Christ? Okay. Yeah. So that idea basically says there's, there's a couple of calendars that exist. Number one is the culture calendar. Mm. And it's like, you got new year, new you. It's like going to the gym, eating healthy, wow. getting, you know, whatever. Then it's Valentine's Day. Then it's like super, super bowl, whatever it is. You're just following the calendar. Wow. Anniversary. Calendar. Yeah, totally. That that calendar drives us, right? Mm. Then you got the church calendar. You got Christmas, you got Easter, you got those other seasons. The redemptive calendar is where you personally take the moments where God has been good to you and you celebrate that with your friends. Wow. So that there is a a a thread through your year where you remember and you mark and you proclaim to the world, God has been good to me. And so that can be moments of freedom, moments of deliverance, moments you came to Christ, moments of graduating. It could be moments of breakthrough, whatever. But you just basically bring yeah. your friends over, man, eat a meal, share the story, yeah. bear witness, tell the testimony. And it's just one of those ways of personalizing the great story of redemption and letting it show up in our life. And, and uh, it's been hugely beneficial in our church community. Beautiful. I love that, bro. It reminds me of the Old Testament when uh, it used to say things like, remember Israel when I did this or, you know, remember, remember. It's all throughout yeah, the Bible. Totally. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. And that's something I I can practically do and those who are listening can practically do. Um, and I'm sure we can learn more in the book. So, guys, go grab the book ASAP and we'll talk more about that beautiful resistance, the joy of conviction in a culture of Compromise by John Tyson. Bro, I got another question for you, though, so don't run off now. 
what is that verse, that Bible verse, that life verse? Because we're on the scriptures and stories podcast. We need to get sure. that scripture in there. Let's go. Yeah, man. It's uh, Habakkuk 3.2. Okay. Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Renew them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. Dang. And that's it. It's like, God, I, I read your word. I hear about all the things you do. I'm blown away by it. But I want you to renew it in our day, in Amen. our time, make it known. And in the time of wrath, where everyone's talking about wrath, pour out your mercy. So I want Woo. to see that gap closed between who God is, what he's promised, what he's done, and my experience. Close that gap. Revival, awakening, power, wow. encounter. Now, that's it. Wow. Come on, Jesus. Jesus, come on. He said, I love that, bro. Ooh, that, that gets me far. Habakkuk 3? Habakkuk 3, 2, a prayer of the prophet Habakkuk. Preach it, brother. Um, Okay. Where can everyone find you? Where can they find the book? In any last word of wisdom, it can be one sentence. It can be three words. It can be one word. Okay. Yeah, man, you can uh, you can find the book on Amazon. It'll be in bookstores, all that sort of stuff. Uh, you can find me online. My It's just my handle is at John Tyson, J-O-N-T-Y-S-O-N. That's on Instagram uh, and Twitter. Not on the TikTok, man. That thing's okay, distracting. Ooh, it distracting. Sure is. <laughs> wow, that stuff's like mind candy. Yes. <laughs> sure it is. Yes, it is, bro. I'm, I'm so guilty. Final, <laughs> final word. These moments matter. Mm. These, these are serious times, man. Yeah, these so are true. Serious times. We need strong people. We need people with big hearts, big spirits, people of courage. So join us. Come on, man. We need you. The church needs you to wow. live to your full potential. So let's go. Let's go, y'all. Come on. Let's go, brother. And uh, lastly, you do have another book, uh, the, bur uh, the Burden is Light. So, guys, go check out all this stuff. John, I'm, I'm now on this fan fan club, fangirl team. So, no, I'm, just <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm loving your work, though, man. God bless Thanks, you, man. John. I'm so Thanks, appreciative sir. of you spending time with us today and look forward to connecting more in the future. Sweet. The joy is mine. Peace. Awesome. Start where you are and God will take you where you need to be. Hey guys, this is Kate Warman, and I am the host of the Heart of Dating podcast here on the Converge Podcast Network. And I want to tell you about something super exciting. My first book ever, Thank You for Rejecting Me, Transform Pain into Purpose and Learn to Fight for Yourself, comes out on February 16th. Have you ever been through a massively painful rejection, whether from a family member, a friend, or someone you were dating? Well, if you don't want rejection to have the last say in your life anymore, I want to encourage you to visit thankyouforrejectingme.com and join me as you face your biggest rejections in life with courage and strength. for listening to Scriptures and Stories with Rashawn Copeland. For more information about this show, visit ConvergePodcastNetwork.com.
This show is part of the Converge Podcast Network. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.